Hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> I am proud to announce the great triumphant return of Policy Wonk Podcast with your hosts, Kale and Joe. It's good to be back. It's so good to be back. <laughs> After and as, having consumption. Yeah. And as you heard from our um, Victorian era bugle boy, I don't know what they were called. Bugle boy. The king's messenger of sorts. Um, me and Kale have survived consumption. Unfortunately, Victoria has consumption right now, though. Yeah, you know, um, it's yeah. good that we recovered. Yeah, we recovered, um, thanks to the help of Regeneron. Regeneron. <laughs> no, I didn't. I actually injected bleach into my arm. Did you put light under your skin? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm uh, now magnetic, though. Oh, you should testify in front of the state house and prove it. I should. And, like, I shove should. a spoon right up against your your epidermis. None of this is true. None of this is true. I did true. not inject bleach. Please do not yeah, p- inject don't. bleach. We were making fun of the former president of the United States. Um, but on a serious note, <laughs> w- sorry we weren't. We did not have an episode last week. We all got the flu. Yes, we did. Or not the flu. It wasn't COVID. It wasn't COVID. And it was not strep. And it was not mono. But oh, it no. also wasn't the flu because I tested negative for that as well. We were both out for a whole day. Yeah, it was awful. Uh, it was very brutal. I looked sickly. Yeah, you did not look good. You did not look good. I felt sickly. I felt like a old Victorian man dying of consumption. Mm -hmm. But we're back, and a a lot has happened since the last time we recorded. Uh, First off, no speaker. There's still no speaker of the House of Representatives. Yeah. Um, And as I'm sure you saw, Kale, uh, Jim Jordan is no longer the Republicans nominee for Speaker of the House. You're kidding. This is, you can <laughs> say the thing. It's, it is so Jim Jover. It's so Jim Jover. It's so Jim Jover. <laughs> but what a shame. What a shame. Um, but yeah, now that we are, God, how long has it been since McCarthy got booted? Uh, I think we're going into the third week of not having a speaker during the 118th Congress where Republicans have control of the House. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And as you know, there's a lot of things happening around the world right now, and yeah. we don't have a Speaker of the House, uh, which is necessary to do, you know, con- congressional things like pass budgets, yeah. approve military aid and whatnot. Um, but since Jim Jordan was basically got rolled three times over, there are now nine presumptive candidates for the speakership. That's too many. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> Because think about it. How many Republicans need to vote? Like, how many Republicans need to vote against the main candidate for the main candidate to lose? It's eight, isn't it? Yeah. So if all nine of those people vote for themselves, it's game over, right? It's game over. It's Jim Jover. (laughs) It's Jim Jover. Uh, But the nine people running for GOP House Speaker are Majority Whip Tom Emmer. Never heard of him. Ken Hearn of Oklahoma, uh, Chairman Mike Johnson, who is the Republican Conference Vice Chairman, uh, friend of the pod, <laughs> throwback, uh, Representative Donalds of Florida. It's crazy how his name just keeps popping up in things. I know. He just keeps coming up. Uh, Jack Burgum of Michigan, Austin Scott of Georgia, Pete Sessions. I don't know if he has any relation to Jeff Sessions. I don't know. I hope not, because I, I that know. man's evil, too. Dan Mios- Mioser? I'm going to say Mauser. Mauser of Pennsylvania, and Representative Palmer of 
Alabama. Um, and these are, this is from the Hill. Um, as <laughs> you might've known, uh, before it was Jordan, there was also rumors about Scalise becoming the next speaker. Um, he backed out. I, just, I don't know why. Do you know why? I mean, isn't like, did they say anything about it? I think he's still personally, I think he's still just going through cancer treatment. Correct? So he's just taking time. Yeah. To like which is what I would do. Be a person. I, and recover. Yeah. Um, but, good for him. Yeah. Actually, on the State of the Union on CNN, Liz Cheney was on, and one of the debates now internally within the far right of the Republican Party, and by far right, I mean the Freedom Caucus, um, is the person who becomes the next speaker has to have objected to the certification of Joe Biden in 2020. And Liz Cheney went on there and said, well, that should actually be disqualifying from being the Speaker of the House of Representatives. <laughs> as, the, as one of the people, I think, Speaker of the House is second in line to the presidency? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, second in line. You're, no? Because technically, I mean, the president is first okay. in line. If the president is incapacitated and the vice president is, then it's the Speaker. Then it's the Speaker. Yeah. And it's just really incredible that there's these two groups that are like, oh, maybe you shouldn't have objected to the legitimate election <laughs> of the president of the United States to be one of the most powerful people on earth. And then you have 30 other people that are like, no, you actually should have objected to it. That's how you get the job is you just be a maniac. <sighs> yeah. Republicans really, in disarray. Republicans in disarray. Democrats have the unity of a Maoist guerrilla group right now. Yeah. Which it's is incredible. 212 votes for Hakeem Jeffries. 212 votes for Hakeem Jeffries. The, and then the, the one right time there honorable. wasn't. Yeah, the right honorable gentleman from, what, New York, right? Yeah. But the one time where he didn't get 212 Democratic votes is when, is the most recent uh, speaker vote. And that's just because two of them weren't there. Yeah. <laughs> He's been the closest to legitimately becoming speaker. If the system was a plurality, pr plurality of votes, he would be speaker. That's what's so incredible is in any functional democracy, and by functional, I just mean a parliamentary system. Ugh, oh, you're saying that the UK is functioning? Okay, I didn't say that. Don't twist my words, Kale. <laughs> One, two, uh. Vote labor. Anyways, vote labor. But in any functional democracy, we would have had elections called by now. Oh, yeah, yeah. There would have been a motion of no confidence against the Republicans in Congress, and we would have already kicked off a campaign cycle. Yeah. Because we cannot keep playing this game where, like, 222 dudes are bickering over who can be the most insanely far-right person to try and govern this country and yeah. govern the House of Representatives. Because Kevin McCarthy wasn't yeah. far enough. Yeah, somehow Kevin McCarthy wasn't far right enough. And apparently Jim Jordan, since he couldn't gain the confidence of the most far right members of Congress. But, and it's still, it's still anyone's game. No one knows who the hell's going to be the Speaker of the House. Yeah. Who, who knows how much longer we'll go without a speaker, a real speaker, not just Patrick McHenry as pro temp. I'm surprised he's not shown any interest whatsoever in throwing his him. hat in the ring. I don't blame the guy. It's because the bow tie, isn't it? It's the bow tie. I mean, I, I mess with the bow tie. Yeah. I support it. We need more Congress people wearing bow ties. Let it be clear. Hear ye, hear ye. 
<laughs> an official proclamation. The right honourable gentleman from Columbus, Ohio. From Columbus, Ohio. Dictates that we need more bow ties. We. <laughs> but, no, I don't blame McHenry for not wanting to be Speaker of the House. I wouldn't want that job. Yeah. I don't want to have to try to govern with when eight people could just throw me out of my job. Yeah. <laughs> well, really yeah. one person. One person. Because that's the thing too. When the next speaker is decided on, are they they're gonna have to keep the motion to vacate. Yeah. That's the only way they get it. And then again, you're just going to have some asshole like Matt Gates motion to vacate the speaker and boom, here we are. It is so crazy to see him put personal interests over the interests of the country. The, Not just the party. The, the country. entire country. And even then, personal interest is called into question there. Like, what does he have to gain? He's going to run for governor of Florida. And lose. And lose. He's probably not even going to be the nominee. Yeah. Because he's, he's not a, as good of a politician as Ron DeSantis. And I'm, he, Ron and DeSantis isn't a good politician. Yeah. He's crazy enough. But, I mean, he's, he's not super electable. No, he's not. Even in a... Even in, a state like Florida that's lurched further and further to the right over the last 20 years. Yeah. He's not. It, this whole speaker debacle, has it been funny to watch? Honestly, yeah. I'm yeah. not going to lie. It kind of is. It is super funny. Republicans have really just, they're reaping what they've sowed. Yeah. This is entirely their fault that they're in this situation. However, on the other hand, on a, an actual note of someone that cares about American democracy, mm-hmm. there's serious flaws in our electoral system. And something like this shouldn't be happening so constantly that it's becoming detrimental to the country's national security apparatus. And that we've, that we're getting looked upon by our allies as well, what the hell's going on in your own country mm-hmm. when your, your Congress can't, can't effectively govern. I'm actually writing a paper for my international political economy class about essentially like dysfunction and populism in the American political system and how that fuels distrust in the international systems from like other countries. Like, okay, well, the United States, huge player in these roles. What happens if they take a step back? What do we do? Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's scary when one of the two major parties in the United States is completely dysfunctional Mm -hmm. and it's terrifying Yeah, because like, like you said, national security issues, the fact that there is a government shutdown looming again, because the last like emergency spending bill was like what? 40 days. Yeah. I think we're, I mean, we're definitely below a month. We might be below 20 days at this point. I think we're halfway there because the, we're into week three of having not having a speaker, and we don't have a speaker because of the last negotiations between McCarthy and Democrats. Yeah, yeah. A lot, very revealing about how dysfunctional the Republican Party is, very revealing on how, honestly, dysfunctional our own electoral system is as a country, mm-hmm. and also a little bit funny seeing Republicans have to deal with what they've created. This is entirely their fault. Kevin McCarthy, that like, wasn't Democrats' fault, dude. This is your own. Yeah. This is your own doing. People are blaming the Democrats for voting to kick the speaker out. Okay, well, one, 
Who made the motion to vacate? Yeah. It wasn't a Democrat, I'll tell you that. Jesus. <laughs> but keeping things more national, uh, I, w- I want to... I want to talk about something we haven't really talked about before and it's it's the southern border because it's such a it's it's a complicated issue one but it's also an issue that's never approached with with any kind of humanitarian approach it's always just you see headlines like oh you know we customs caught you know a hundred people trying to cross the border on the Rio Grande or you know, like this article from New York Times that we're uh, covering today, uh, crossings at the U.S. southern border are higher than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the third year in a row that migration at the southern border is hitting historic highs. And this is outside the perspective of me as a Democrat and just as someone that, like, cares about people being safe any conversation about immigration that doesn't that immediately doesn't start with you know the caring about the immediately the immediate health effects of this and the well-being of these people then it's not this it's not a it's not a good argument if you're looking at people crossing the southern border families men and women and children children coming alone and these are just regular people. They aren't like members of gangs. They, they're, they, this isn't some like to push back against this weird conservative idea that we're getting quote unquote invaded. Oh yeah, by migrants at the border, which is fundamentally a incredibly fucking racist thing to say. Insanely racist. And some people, mainstream Republicans, aka ones running for president, are saying things like. We're being invaded. We need to treat it like an invasion. And they're justifying crazy fucking ideas like shooting people at the border. And. Sorry, I got very angry. No, it makes me. It infuriates me when I hear Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy saying things like we need to just start shooting people. Yeah. And that's. It's so disingenuous and it's just playing on this incredible amount of racism that started to percolate out of the Republican Party and into American society. Now, <clears throat> immigration, it, it's a complicated issue for a lot of reasons. You're talking about why people are uprooting their lives from their home country and moving to the United States. So, one, let's think about why people are immigrating illegally in the first place, right? Clearly, something's horribly wrong with our legal immigration system, where people feel like it's literally impossible to get into this country by the means that we've created, which honestly, they're completely right. It takes years, years to try to get permanent residence or permanent citizenship in this country in the first place. Meanwhile, the cost and time it takes to just apply for citizenship you know, like what CSU has a lot of international students that are here on student visas. It's super difficult for them to find jobs that aren't campus jobs because of how restrictive our immigration laws are regarding work permits for them. But then you're still going to have people that, that are complaining that they're not, they don't have jobs, but 
the system itself is keeping them from getting jobs. So pick a struggle. Like, come on. Pick a struggle. Um, the other thing is, because it's also popped up in the news recently, um, is DACA again. Yeah. I can understand the weird, like, judicial argument that DACA was a program by the executive branch. Okay. Whatever. If that's really the hill you're going to die on, go for it, I guess. Uh, however, you can't argue the fact. I mean, you can't argue the fact. You're going to look like an ass doing it. <laughs> that uh, somehow children bought, brought here illegally when they were young, they should just be sent home. What the fuck? What? Congress needs to, like, well, I mean, elect a speaker, but also. <laughs> yeah. Do that, please. Get its shit together and actually pass substantial immigration reform that is humane. Yeah. That is actually has concern for the literal people coming across the border and trying to get into the United States for whatever reason, whether they're escaping violence, whether they're just looking for a new life or they have family here. All those reasons are valid reasons to come to this country. Like, you have people coming from places like Cuba and Venezuelan re refugees that, you know, we accept without question because that's what we should be doing. People escaping, you know, countries that do not respect the human rights of other people, mm -hmm. countries that don't respect the LGBTQ rights of other people. That this, the, America is a country built on diversity and acceptance of people from all walks of life. And to see just this total disregard for literal children and other human beings when it comes to immigration is just so gross to me. Like, because it is, a lot of the arguments against immigration are racist, I think. Yeah, mainly. Because, um, I mean, at the end of the day, my family came to the United States as immigrants. Yeah. Your family came to the United States as immigrants. Europeans. Conservatives who care about migration don't really care about European immigrants. Yeah. They care about immigrants coming here from south of the border mm -hmm. or from the Middle East. Yeah. Or in lieu of COVID, China. Yeah. Or East Asia because they're racist and can't tell the difference between different people. Yeah. Now, that's not to say, like, you know, to not have a southern border that's, quote, like, secure, whatever anyone means by that. Yeah, there's also varying yeah. opinions as to what that means. But you can't, like, and a lot of these opinions, like, these very out, out of this world crazy opinions about the southern border and what's happening with migration is never based on the fact that it is a humanitarian crisis mm -hmm. because it is it's all based on the fact that they're coming here illegally and they're bringing drugs and they're bringing crime <laughs> because it's yeah sure like, yeah sure <laughs> sure man <laughs> i recall how many conservatives were just completely taken aback during the 2016 campaign when trump said they're sending their rapists and stuff yeah. like that conservatives we're like, hold on, what did this dude say? 
And now that's almost like mainstream mainstream ways of thinking, or at least those are the most vocal people. Yeah. And that's not to say that's not what all Republicans believe or, I mean, all Americans believe. Oh, yeah. There's plenty of people that understand that this is a humanitarian crisis and we need to approach it like human beings. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just the people that have these crazy ideas like Vivek Ramaswamy and Ron DeSantis. <laughs> I hate these people. <laughs> are way more vocal than normal folks. Yeah. And it's scary. It's scary. And, you know, like we, I, I said, like we have, we haven't talked about it before because it's just so, it's such a complicated issue, but it's also very deeply personal in a way. Now, my family came over back in the 20s and the 30s. like. We're Italian. We've been here for, I'm, I'm third generation Italian American. Like we've been here for a long time, but you know, back, back in the twenties and the thirties, Italians were still targeted by the fucking clan. That's so crazy. So were the Irish. Yeah. So were the Irish. It's so weird. It's Catholics. Yeah. But now we've just replaced hatred towards Southern Europeans and the Irish with hatred towards uh migrants from the middle east people from latin america and like you said in lieu of covid uh people immigrating here from asia Mm -hmm. and it just it a new enemies made every generation that demographics start to change it's it's almost as if it's manufactured it is yeah because it's 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 predatory and because of like the fear mongering related to immigration, we have issues where people believe shit like the bogus great replacement theory. <laughs> For those listening, Joe just rolled his eyes. Don't even get me fucking started on that bullshit. It, it's it's caused a, it's caused people to die. It's caused people to die. People have been murdered because of some weird fear of immigration. Yeah, like one, the great replacement theory. One, not true. Hoax. I hope I'm not the person to tell you that it's that is it's bullshit and just a racist conspiracy theorist made up by neo Nazis. Yeah. But also <laughs> like immig- it's just immigrant like I can't understand the fear behind the idea that, oh, there's people that don't look like me moving to this country. That's somehow bad. I don't like it, it is a really weird concept. We don't have the resources, Joe. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we we're do. the richest country on earth. We we get rid of more food a day than some countries can produce in a year. Yeah. What resources are you talking about? We have more houses than we do people. Also, let's be like very let's be very real here. If you look at countries that have extremely strict legal immigration laws, they're not doing too hot. Japan. You you look at Japan where the median age is projected to be like above fifty by like yeah. twenty thirty. Now, the US, our median, age, our median age is going up too. That's just because people are living longer. Mm-hmm. However, we have people moving in here and people starting families here that we're, we're not having this weird population bubble in the sense of people are getting too old to work and we don't have enough young people and younger adults to mm-hmm. work anymore. And it's because we have people wanting to move to this country, which should make everyone happy. That should make Republicans happy more than anything. That makes because me America's, proud to be an American. Yeah. The fact that people will go out of their way, literally cross one of the most dangerous rivers on earth, yeah. 
crawl through fucking barbed wire because they know that life here is best in the world and that what this country stands for is what is something that they want to contribute to and be part of. To me, that makes me really goddamn proud to be an American. Hell yeah. That people want to come here that badly and we should open them and we should welcome them with open arms. Oh. It reminds me. Sorry, God. Of, just, it just pisses me off. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You don't have to apologize. I agree. It reminds me of one of the greatest, I guess, poems in, like, that uh, is just commonly known throughout the country, which is The New Colossus by Emma Lazarus from 1883, according to the National Park Service. A lot of people don't know its name. I feel like a lot of older folks probably do because they just remember cool little fun facts about American history like that. Mm. But the poem, I'm not going to read all of it, but the most famous part. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. That's what it says on the Statue of Liberty. Because people, since 1776, essentially, have wanted to come here and live here for, like you said, any valid reason. And the fact that we don't treat those people as people, we call them migrants. We call them fucking aliens. Aliens. Are you kidding? That's a legal word that we use to describe people, human beings, human beings trying to come to this country. Yeah. We call them fucking aliens. What the hell? Uh, what, what? Critical discourse analysis. Shout out Dr. Nelson. Hey. Um, <laughs> it's all about what people say and what they don't say. And. We don't, we like dehumanize people who want to come to this country. And it's to make policy that is lacking any sort of humanitarian like aspect. Yeah. More digestible by the public. It's to make things like the Nazi great replacement theory palatable. And then you, we get people dying. Yeah. And then, and then we get like weird Barrels of barbed wire floating in rivers in Texas. You have governors acting like they're running a small banana republic. Yeah. Like. Shout out Greg Abbott. Unshout out. Unshout out. Shout down. Shout down. <laughs> Asshole. Hate that guy. Resign. Resign. Oh, anyways. Yeah. Oh, sorry for the. It's just. Mm. We had to touch on immigration. Yeah. We haven't done it. And we're approaching a year of policy wonk. Yeah. So it's, it's good that we finally talked about it, especially yeah. because it's going to be a big issue in 2024. People are going to talk about it on both sides. Mm -hmm. So, But speaking of issues. Issues. Issue one. Great segue, Joe. Great segue. So we are, what, like two weeks out at this point? Yeah, we're, pretty much. We're about two weeks out from the November elections. Yep. Um, vote early if you haven't. Uh, you can find, I, I don't, I'm pretty sure all early voting hours are same across the state, but you can find early voting hours at your county board of elections website yep. or the secretary of state site. Um, I mean, fuck that guy, but you know, there's voting information on the his office does their job occasionally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, I saw a poll this morning from uh Bolden Wallace university. I love the Ohio pulse poll and it's a really good, I really liked it. Uh, I love, I love stats. I believe it's, I think it's annual. I think they do it every year. Yeah. And it's just such a, I wish we did it here. I wish Cleveland State ran it. <laughs> I wish we, I wish we could do polling here. But anyways, you were saying, back to talking about BW's Pulse Poll. Yeah. BWPP. But, 
but I, <laughs> but I was, I was uh, scrolling through this poll and they, they ask a lot of questions. They ask approval rating about Joe Biden, Sherrod Brown, JD Vance, blah. Um, and they break it down into like, I think the categories they broke it down to is interesting. Obviously the traditional male, female, 18 to 49, 50 plus, uh, party ID, ethnicity, but also gun owner groups, or they also broke it down into gun people that own guns, parents, and also evangelical Christians. It's, they also interestingly split party ID and ideology. Yeah. Which I appreciate. Yes. Personally. 100%. Um, because I've had a side note. Democrat is not an ideology. 100%. Big R Republican is not an ideology. But small R Republican is. Is. Uh, liberal and conservative are ideologies. Yes. But you can be a liberal Republican. Yes. Dying like species. <laughs> is it time to feed Lyndon? It is. I think we're going to keep that in. I think we should. Yeah, no, I think we should actually. That's it's that's so funny. goofy and funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, ideology and partisanship—very different things. Anyways, back onto this poll. Yes, they they polled about uh, issue one, which is the reproductive rights amendment that is on your ballot this November. Yes, and interestingly enough, um, they found that of those polled. Uh, 58% said that they plan on voting yes, 33% uh, said no, and 8% are undecided. Now, if you've read the language of the Reproductive Rights Amendment, you will understand that it is protecting access to reproductive care. That's what it does. That's what it does. I yes. didn't know it would be crazy to say, hey, the thing that says the Reproductive Rights Amendment protects reproductive rights and doesn't say anything about parental rights, doesn't say anything about uh, transitional surgeries, or, you know, somehow keeping abortion legal up until, like, the literal moment of birth, because it doesn't do that. Some people, and we talked about this today. We did. Some people are even saying... That Ohio issue one would allow partial birth abortions or something like that. That's and something that hasn't been legal in the United States for the last 15 years. And that's according to like AP. Yeah. God. Whoa. The woke, the woke left at AP. Yeah. You know, oh. super woke, super far left. Also, <laughs> there's been a lot of misinformation about issue one. Quite a bit. Actually. Quite a bit about. Quite a bit. From, a lot of it from national groups, state groups, and some local groups. Yeah. Uh, quite a bit, actually. And, and they're all saying the same thing. It's like this, this weird propaganda machine that's preying on the quote-unquote ignorance of the average voter. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been encouraging people to just straight up read, read the, the actual amendment. Because at the end of the day, if you read the actual amendment, you'll know that all the shit that they're saying is just propaganda bullshit. The shit is propaganda bullshit. Shit's bullshit. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. Three, two, one. Bullshit. It's bullshit. Oh, sorry. <sighs> <laughs> but I can't, I can't stress enough. Re please read the amendment. Read the, the literal language of the amendment. I know it's, it's, it's 
boring. It's a bunch of legalese, but you have to read the actual amendment because the summary language is not accurate mm-hmm. because the ballot commission is run by the both Frank LaRose, Frank LaRose and our Republican enemy of the podcast, our Republican uh, attorney general of the state as well. David Yost. Yost. But who I want to remind everybody, David Yost said that David Yost and Frank LaRose both denied that that 10 year old girl was a victim of rape last year so really outstanding characters in charge of our electoral system and the chief lawyer of the state um (laughs) chief lawyer i like that (laughs) we should rename it to that (laughs) but the other thing is and what i think is probably the most important part of the amendment itself is that it allows the legislator to make restrictions after viability yes which is literally what everyone the vast majority of americans ohioans agree on is like hey abortion should be accessible to people but let's have restrictions after viability with the only exceptions being for the health of the mother or the mother's going to die which i mean is also health but that specifically says those two things yeah it says and i'm gonna this is a very rough quote the state may prohibit abortion after fetal viability, which, I mean, discretion of the doctor. Yeah. But the doctor has a goddamn degree to do this. Yeah. So, like, the doctor's the fucking doctor. It's you like, know? It's like how parents think they know better than the teacher. They know how to teach their kid better than a teacher, you know, who got, a, like, a degree to do this. Mm-hmm. It's like people, oh, I use WebMD. I know these things more than you who has a degree to say whether or not the child's going to die after it's born yeah or something crazy and i've said it we've both said it so many times on this show and just two people what i say re like <laughs> repro- reproductive decisions are strictly a discussion between a doctor and that patient yeah. no one else it is not the state's business it's not the legislator's business mm-hmm. it's not my fucking business mm-hmm. i don't know what's best for them it's it's simple it, it's really easy to just stay out of people's personal decisions it's not your business it's not your business i also find it very interesting these organizations come to let's just say our campus because mm. we've had a couple come to our campus correct within the last couple of years and they they have these alternative facts i guess they have these different things that are peer-reviewed and whatnot and then when we're talking to them we bring up an issue that i mean at least you and i have with reproductive policy that's restrictive the religion argument yeah they they when we talk to these people and they're on our campus they say oh well no we don't want to bring religion into politics and then they leave campus and then we follow them on instagram and and their instagram is some sort of bible verse yeah we're both catholic yeah and we're voting how on issue one yes we're voting yes we're voting yes and i'm unapologetically voting yes on issue one yeah because it's not my business what you do with with your personal decisions as long as you're not hurting anyone else yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. uh and it's just it's it's very it's frustrating to see these these organizations just straight up honestly lie to people about issue one you can you can try to convince people to vote no and that's fine don't fucking lie to people 
don't 100%. don't come up with random bullshit like mm-hmm. people that are pro-choice are voting no on issue one i'm sure that's happening but not at some fantastically high rate because you're just making it up to somehow coerce not coerce that's not the correct word to somehow convince people that issue one is doing all this stuff that it just doesn't do mm-hmm. and let's be let's be entirely clear Issue one is a constitutional amendment, yeah. which means it would amend the Constitution, which is the overarching document that all laws in the state of Ohio have to be made to fit, mm-hmm. right? It's the bare bones. It's the skeleton. It's the base for laws. They can operate within these things. I'm not going to lie. The heartbeat bill, to an extent, would be upheld with yeah. this constitutional amendment. And I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not saying that 100%, but yeah. from what I've read, whether it's... Ohio Capital Journal or AP or all those other articles that are strictly addressing the misinformation being spread about issue one. Yeah. Not too much is going to change. Yeah. It just protects the state of Ohio and people seeking reproductive care from an outright 100% abortion ban. Yeah. Ugh. But I hate these people, Joe. They're just, it's just really hard to. No, hold on. Whoa, backtrack. It's really easy to not lie to people outright. Oh, is that what you were going to say? Yeah. It's really hard to... Yeah. Okay. But no, it's really <laughs> easy to not just fucking lie to people's faces. Yeah. Some people on our campus lie to people's faces. This is on true. On Instagram, in real life, in the student center interlink. <sighs> yeah. And it's it's crazy. It's so crazy. It's, it's nuts. Crazy. It's nuts. It's nuts. It's nuts. What's also nuts is that... Um, according to BW's poll, is that uh, 39% of Republicans responded that they're voting yes on issue one. Now, that is not a majority, but however, that's a lot more than I would expect. Yeah. Uh, but also, a majority of independents are, have or responded by saying they're voting yes on issue one with 13% undecided. Um, what's also interesting, as I think the racial br- breakdown as well, that um, 82% of uh, black people polled uh, responded that they're voting yes, while only 55% of white people polled said that they're voting yes. So again, also, it's also interesting seeing the, because um, we we know that there's health disparities between white white people and black people mm-hmm. because of just sy- systemic issues within the healthcare system. Um, and that's the other part of reproductive rights that we don't talk about is that when you restrict it, doctors just leave. Yeah. They leave because they're scared to do their job. Immense amount of brain drain in states where reproductive rights have been severely restricted. Which, again, disproportionately impacts communities of color yeah. and uh, lower income folks. Mm-hmm. Restrictions on reproductive rights, one, is an equality issue and fundamentally discriminatory against specific groups of people. But it also just ends up hurting everyone in the process. Hell yeah, intersectionality. Intersectionality. <laughs> um, yeah, we're woke here. We are woke. We are woke. We are part of the mob. Yeah. <laughs> Something else from the BWPP that is um, kind of interesting is the, it's the same question. If the election were held today, how would you be voting on issue one? Yeah. 73% of people who live in urban areas mm-hmm. said they're voting yes. That tracks. Yeah. They tend to be a little more woke. Correct. Correct. Almost 60% of people who live in the suburbs said they're voting yes. And, the, you know, 
following trends for, since the 90s yeah suburbs kind of fluctuate on types on these types of things yeah and you know i would say that's almost 60 percent tracks yeah what's interesting the response from rural communities 46.5 percent are voting yes if the election were held today and that's just polling that's i mean not a majority obviously but that's a lot it's still surprising that is a lot because i think and i think we probably talked about it on the show before i know we've talked about it just in conversation about the disconnect between who people vote for and what they actually believe when you ask them about issues mm-hmm. i have a lot of neighbors shout out if you guys listen shout out <laughs> that voted for donald trump both times gonna vote for him again womp womp <laughs> <laughs> um but they're they're to my knowledge they're voting yes on issue two word the to regulate marijuana like alcohol and i don't know if they're voting yes on issue one but i do know that they're pro-choice word but it is it's really interesting to see the i don't want to say discrepancy between who people vote for and what they actually believe because that's a really complicated thing to get into Mm. um because conflating partisanship and ideology is incorrect um but it is interesting to see that Ohioans, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or you're independent, generally we're all in agreement for the most part that abortion should be legal. But, you know. You know, J.D. Vance said this when he was running for Senate against Tim Ryan. And Bill Clinton said this too. And this reflects a lot of people's views, I would yeah. say. Abortion should be safe. It should be legal, and it should be rare. Yeah, and I feel like that reflects a, like the median voter in the United States, That's, at least in Ohio, according to the BWPP. Yeah, if you're asking, and I'm glad you brought up suburban voters because the suburban like category of voters have be, has become the new swing group in this country. Mm-hmm. People that you know aren't rich, but you know they can go on vacation. They have disposable income. They usually have a few kids. They're signing them to public schools. Oh, so the shrinking middle class. Yeah. The shrinking middle class, <laughs> um, is that their, their views on social issues. If you want to consider reproductive rights, a social issue, I suppose it could be any number of things. Cause you know, intersectionality. Pound yeah. It. Bump. <laughs> um, how I think suburban voters really have become, I guess one of the, the more accurate uh groups of people to you know if you if you're getting a pulse on the general public Mm. if you ask a suburban voter it's most likely within what the average person thinks they're pro lgbtq rights they're not falling for these bullshit attacks against trans people in our schools yeah they're not falling for you know the misinformation campaign started by national and local groups about issue one different pro-life advocate groups yeah and you know they they don't like they they might not like joe biden but they recognize the republicans as a fundamental threat to american democracy jesus (laughs) i don't disagree with you right now but but, wow but it, it really is interesting how suburban voters have become the you know what i think a politician would think of as someone that's someone whose vote could go either way you, you break it down even further. Suburban women. Yes. College-educated suburban women, if you want to break it down even further, mm-hmm. are quite the swing group. Yeah. It's interesting to see the fact that college-educated suburban women voted 
they voted for Trump, right? Yeah. In 2016. Did they vote for Biden in 2020? Do you know? I think Biden still won the majority of suburban voters. Suburban vote. No. He won the majority of women voters. And oh. I'm pretty sure it probably translated into suburban women. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I feel that. It's very interesting. It's a very interesting dynamic, and I will continue to watch it for yeah. a long time. We will all. When Policy Walk eventually opens uh, its polling wing, <laughs> you better watch out, Pew Research. Baldwin Wallace, we're coming for you. We're going to buy Baldwin Wallace, the entire university, <laughs> the whole thing. Oh, we can if you want. <laughs> uh, we got enough money between the two of us. Yeah, we could. Lyndon makes money. I don't know what the hell he does, but he's got thousands of dollars in an offshore Swiss bank account. I got some old friends at BW. Yeah. I think they would be fine with me owning <laughs> their university. BW. But, uh, however, that's all we got for news. Yeah. But I want to segue into an exciting announcement. What is it, Joe? Policy Wonk's expanding. Oh, we are. To a new show. Oh, we are. Hosted by me. Ooh. Wonk. Wonk. Uh, no. I'm launching my pop culture show, Brain Rot. Brain Rot. Brain Rot. It is purely pop culture. There will be no politics. It'll be literally YouTube-esque drama. I support this. If I you, love this. Like, we're talking. Well, you know, I don't even know what the hell we're going to talk about. It'll be out. I plan on posting it Friday, recording Thursday. Okay. Um, because I think a good way to wrap up the week is just hearing about some dumb bullshit that doesn't impact you in any way. In but any man, way. do we love watching it. It's juicy. It's fun. It's juicy. It's fun. It's got chutzpah. It's, it's got that zhuzh. Yeah. Well, you said. <laughs> I just know big words. I just know them and I say them. But I am excited. So, Friday, Brain Rot. Brain Rot. Comes out. First episode. I'm excited. We'll, we're going to talk about some... I already, I already know some of the stuff that I want to talk about. We're talking about Sniper Wolf. How she docks Jack Films. That's crazy. <laughs> and I don't get to talk about it on this show because we just went over the uh, very complicated views of suburban voters and intersectionality in... Uh, restrictions on reproduction and we talk about you know misinformation being spread on at least our campus yeah uh by groups by groups unnamed groups <laughs> and i mean i'm going to make an effort to release an episode of diplomatic review once a week it will vary depending on the day because i am in full-blown seminar capstone paper mode yeah i am writing about british collusion with protestant loyalist militant groups in the northern irish troubles and the subsequent uh legacy yeah very compelling stuff i'm excited to read it i'm excited to let you read it yeah i'm excited to record diplomatic review i'm excited to listen to brain rot brain rot and uh we're excited to be back yeah from, from our consumption from consumption oh hear ye hear ye policy wonk podcast has overcome the consumption disease hear ye hear ye anyways Thank you for listening. We're so glad to be back and not dying of consumption anymore. Yeah, we sound good too. Yeah. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.